0: under the helmet you do your thing all right don't be nervous okay the show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football it's the moment right here we're gonna have to decide what, what type of team we want to be building dynasties each and every week i don't even know your name what's your name chad parsons I'm telling you man you lead leading the league in hydration <laughs> I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Find written and premium audio content at UTHdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet, looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons. Coming out hot this week, we've got one week left of the Fantasy and Dynasty regular season. It's time to finish strong. It's time to make that title push. And whether your season is over uh, in terms of the competitive portion, or you have a win or get in game, or you're earmarked already for the playoffs that start mostly in a couple of weeks, I want to go over the five biggest keys to finishing your season strong. So here we go. Number one, keep your eyes and ears open for developing uh, situations at the running back position. It's much easier than any of the other skill positions to project a player into a strong workload. Uh, Sometimes when a wide receiver is out, a tight end is out, it does not mean the backup is going to get even 75% of what the form you know in terms of a workload target load all of that but running backs there's a requisite amount the starter will get and usually it's fantasy meaningful so keep your eyes and ears open Damian Williams Tim Hightower are the historical examples and we've got plenty of injuries this week specifically and in the last couple of weeks that make running back an up and down venture when you look at players that were not even on our consciousness a few weeks ago. Example, right now we have Patrick Taylor there with Green Bay is an injury away. Who knows when Aaron Jones is coming back and A.J. Dillon is the clear-cut starter, but Patrick Taylor right now is the number two option. Another situation, how about behind Zach Moss uh, there in Indianapolis? You have Tyler Goodson, you have Trey Sermon as the next two men up uh, with Jonathan Taylor out probably a few more weeks. Who knows when he returns and Zach Moss is seeing a big workload. That could be a situation that turns one of their directions. There's uh, five or six examples going over and UTH Dynasty WaiverWire article as well as the UTH Patreon WaiverWire Feature Strategy Show this week. But those are just two examples of depth charts where I I just mentioned names that you were definitely not thinking or talking about in August or September as these could be impactful names for my Dynasty Finishing Season Strong uh, strategy session here. So just keep your eyes and ears open because a lot of times all it takes is one, two, three, UTH uh, uh, subscribers, listeners, they're in a league, and all of a sudden, running back is generally dry on a weekly basis outside of a new developing situation. So you have to be on top of it. And frankly, that's what your waiver dollars are for this time of year. It's not part of my uh, t- top five tips, but a key that goes along with this, this idea of looking for developing situations at running back is be aggressive. If you still have 30, 40, 50% of your budget left, you have to ask yourself, what am I spending it on? Especially if you have a defense already that you like the matchups and you're probably not deviating from in the coming weeks, and uh, you're already kind of set at other positions, a developing running back all of a sudden now is a running back two on a depth chart is about as good as you can possibly hope for this time of year. So make sure you're not spending your entire budget unless it bludgeons you in the face of this is a golden opportunity. But if it's a a good opportunity, a developing situation, that is one to make sure you're looking out and saying, how many weeks do I have left? And I probably won't even get a crack at a player like this every single week. So start doing that bidding math on making sure you utilize your money effectively. Number two, shoot for upside in lineup decisions, which are close and one of the mantras is big performances help you more than poor performances hurt your results uh, and so one example is this let's say in a given league the average, we'll say wide receiver in a lineup scores 10 to 12 points then again a dud game of three, four, five points not that big of a deal, right? someone goes out, they catch a couple balls and you're like, oh, what a big disappointment well there are only 5 or 6 points below what A typical wide receiver in the lineup would score. However, the upside is 20 points, 25 points, 30 points. That helps so much more on the plus-minus scale than the poor performance. And it really is tilted by a touchdown. It really is tilted by one long play. Or a streaming possibility where someone inherits a big workload. So remember, shoot for upside because week 14 here, right in front of us, if you're on the fence, it's win or go home. Win or go home. You know, backdooring your way. I've always said it's a race to eight now with, this, with the 17-game the uh, uh, schedule for the NFL, the 18-week schedule there where we now have... Uh, you know, getting to eight and six is really important. Seven and seven is a low probability to get, squeak you into the playoffs. So get to eight wins. If you're at seven and six right now, yeah, you may lose and find your way in with three or four convoluted scenarios, but the way you for sure improve your odds substantially, get to eight and six, the race to eight. So uh, again, you don't want to go out with a whimper. Go out with big performances, big possibilities there. And so I go by start rate. I've talked about my historical studies over the years. Uh, when you look at buckets of start rate over at my fantasy league, uh, f- taking that data over the years and analyzing it, that higher start rate. Uh, means higher probabilities in almost all cases. You know, in in certain tiers, you're breaking ties. Again, go for those with big potential. And that would be a running back that's going to see, even if it's a bad matchup, you know, a running back seeing 15-plus touch potential, uh, someone that's going to be a strong running back one. All it takes, you know, and a good example was Zach Charbonnet in Week 13 against against the Dallas Cowboys he got goal line opportunities and for running back that that's golden that is golden that's a 6 6 plus point play and, and it's one that if you're not the starter, good luck trying to predict if you're going to get that. Um, and even if you have a difficult matchup, all it takes is a DPI that sets you down there, uh, a teammate that gets tackled inside the five-yard line, and all of a sudden you are set up for success. Um, so again, looking for those big-time upside performances, the wide receivers that have big playability, Uh, can score from distance. Uh, You're looking at route data, those that are actually on the field for 75, 80 plus percent of routes for the team. All those types of scenarios. A quarterback that has two-way ability. You know, I can run, but I can also throw. I, I have the potential to score three or four total touchdowns in the perfect storm scenario. Those types of equations are what can make you a winner as opposed to a loser in critical games down the stretch here. Number three plan ahead with defense uh, or streamers with backup plans, which can be break gla- in case of emergency, break glass, for your next most important game or week matchup spot. So again, if you're fighting for the playoffs, it is week 14 all hands on deck. Who do you want to start? Now, that doesn't mean you have to drop your other defense if they have a good matchup in week 15 or 16, but what it means is you better pick that defense up. If they are a better play, pick them up, start them, and if it means you drop one guy off of your bench, float them out there, pick them up the following week, spend some of your waiver dollars to get them back, so be it. Um, The other thing is you already got your matchup, you already got your defense, uh, something like that for this week, but what's your next most important game? If you have a bye, it's not going to be until week 16. Uh, you know, and if you're going to make the playoffs without a buy, it's week 15. Look at those scenarios in advance. Talked about this for a few weeks now. You still have time to be proactive and preemptive with this, so that you're ahead of the game. And w- the other thing I've noticed, I also I already have two things that I've I've talked about the waiver wire, but keep in mind a certain cross section of your league once they are out of it for. Uh, for competitive portions this year, they will tune out. So there is less competition potentially on the waiver wire, but that still means to pay attention every week on players that were dropped, again, developing situations, and you planning ahead with backup plans, streamers, or defenses to set the table for what you want to do before it happens. We have a number of weaker quarterback situations with backups out there, unstable situations, and that means you can exploit that with the, with the defensive matchup. So keep that in mind. Number four, shift bench spots to off-season stashes once you're eliminated. So it's a sad day in Mudville uh, when I, I would say there's a few different sad days in your fantasy calendar. One is when uh, a trade deadline hits. All of a sudden, uh, you just have less to do in those leagues, and you now know if someone pops, uh, if you need something, uh, you want to be a buyer, a seller, a mover, a shaker, you cannot make moves. And just the idea of not being able to, even if for four weeks at a time you didn't make any trades, just the fact that you cannot and you are restricted from doing so is a sad day. But when you are officially eliminated, I mentioned the race to eight, but if you're sitting right now and you look at it and you're six and seven, you're like, man, even if I win, I I, I just don't see a scenario I'm getting in. If you got five wins, four wins or fewer, you're out. That's just the way it goes. Unless there's some total points, six spot loophole, you know, that gets you in and you've had an outlier season in in head-to-head format. But again, once you're eliminated, start looking with the vision for the off-season for 2024. And it does not mean, the one asterisk I want to put on here is it does not mean that all of a sudden you're going to drop all of your running backs that are on your bench. What it does mean is be open to the possibility of how does the free agent market look in terms of, NFL contracts. Uh, I'm doing a series at Football Guys uh, that is culminating with tight end this week. So four straight weeks uh, doing a deep dive on all of the projected free agents, the benefactors, I've highlighted some players that I wasn't even before doing this study, tracking heavily as stream uh, as stash players for the off season. And these are subtle things that, hey, they might be viable players down the stretch and you already have them, but they also might be players you're not thinking about in terms of eh, well, they're not lineup relevant. they may not truly be an injury away or a streaming candidate or this or that for the closing month of the fantasy season. However, they're an interesting name you want to have in the offseason. And I, I'm reminded uh, of previous names. I remember last year talking a lot about someone like Rico Dowdle, stashing him into the offseason. Uh, I remember Ty Chandler being a name. And those are just two examples of 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 running backs that we have had in that number two role, haven't substantially benefited from either one, but there's still time. You know, that we had... After the NFL draft, they cleared free agency, they cleared the NFL draft, they got to week one, they've gotten now to the third or fourth month of the season, and they still have a chip in a chair and a chance to benefit our team from injury away running back, Perch. So that's, that's a big one of going down the stretch, looking at depth charts. Uh, to give one example, Chase Brown there in uh, Cincinnati, that Joe Mixon, what's his status going to be? He's owed a truckload of money. Could they be restructuring, moving on potentially? But beyond that, I think Chase Brown, if he were healthy all season, would be pushing for that number two role over Travion Williams. Now he's been injured a couple different times, he's lost his momentum, but this is one where Chase Brown has the type of a profile in the offseason to gain that number two role heading into year two there in Cincinnati. Uh, So that's just one example of a player that you might not be optimal to have him specifically for week 14, 15, 16, but it might be someone that you would love to have January through uh, May just to see if he's challenged or drafted over, um, or what his status is going into the summer and then ultimately into the next time you're competitive, which is week one, 2024. Uh, finally, this is number five. And I put a, a couple different things into this one. But the longer I go, the more I think I need to mention this on a week on, on an annual basis at least once, which is thank your commissioner. Um, this is a thankless job. And I'll say this. And I know I may, may be on an island here, but I think there's far too many commissioners that do good work, that commit to having a well-oiled machine and running leagues, whether it's one, 20, 50, I don't care. But they do a great job. And the idea that in general, Fantasy and Dynasty has no problem paying big-time fees for platforms, to run the league essentially be the commissioner and yet there are proven entities that year over year do a great job being a commissioner in private leagues that people think it is like inappropriate or or any anything uh, of the of the ilk that you should not be paying uh, a commissioner and this is not again I'm not talking about, you know, they're going to rake 20% or 25% like some of these sites. But what I mean is, at the end of the year, it would be nice to, quote unquote, tip your commissioner. It would be nice to at least say thank you. It would be nice to cut them some slack that they are doing yeoman's work and doing the dirty work to keep this league running. And some le- some years it, and some leagues it might be simple. Literally it's like, you know, everyone pays on time and you set up your draft and you know, the draft goes and it's, you know, you just rinse and repeat on setting up the waiver wire. Everything's easy, but in plenty of leagues it's filling or, it's filling openings. It is running a dispersal draft. It's getting everyone to pay and track them down and no one, you know, two or three people never pay on time and it's like, what do I do? Am I replacing them? All this kind of stuff. And then you set the waiver wire. The waiver wire isn't set correctly. So the first week you got to monitor it. Uh, You might have to back out transactions. Uh, When does it start? People hound you about that. Uh, You got to track down people. Are they setting their lineups? What's going on here? Is this person tanking? There's a lot that goes into this and you got to handle all of it. And so again, thank your commissioner, whether it's monetarily, whether it's just with your words, or it's just with your respect and giving them a little bit of slack in the moments where they may need just a little bit of latitude to keep this league running and fluid. Uh, here's another thing. When the season is ending, everyone's kind of together, right? I mean, at the, once the fantasy playoffs start, I mean, people are paying attention, but guess what? probably half your league is not in the playoffs. So unless you have a toilet bowl, and I I do really recommend a toilet bowl or something that keeps teams in it for at least a week or two longer. That you're playing for, you know, uh, if it's a 12-team league, you're playing for 213. You know, uh, a late second round rookie pick. Uh, You know, winner gets that of the... Of the toilet bowl, or you're doing the total points thing, you know, where you can get I don't know something, anything, uh, twenty bucks, I don't know, Uh, but it's gonna keep people engaged for longer. Um, But one here in December, when people are still checked in, because you're gonna have people that basically don't even check back in until April, May, you know, and that's I'm not gonna say it's a bad thing, but what it means is making progress on changes for your league or or anything like that it really gets bogged down and there are a lot of speed bumps in that capacity. So now it feels really early, but in the next couple of weeks, This is the time, the perfect time, whether you're the commissioner or you're just someone in the league. Put a message board out, uh, do some polls, uh, but this is the time to suggest rule changes, maybe it's setting changes. Um, Maybe if you don't have one yet in your league, and again, whether you're the commissioner or not, establish a routine for paying the next year's entry fees. Um, One thing that I am fervent on is making sure you give yourself plenty of time. Let's say you want to have your rookie draft you know, in the week or two following the NFL draft. It's a perfect time. However, I think a lot of times people let it go far too long before people pay, and then you have to start delaying your draft. Then you have questions about a lot of things. So what I like to do, and I believe... I think it's, uh, is it April 1st? I think I have April 1st or May or March or the end of March as my typical payment deadline in the leagues that I commission. And the reason for that is so I have a whole month to, and and you have to actually follow through. So you start, at least if you run on League Safe, you start getting alerts like, once a month, you know, in the off season. And then it turns into once a week. Then it turns into every day when you're like two, three days out. And again, when the deadline hits and you haven't heard from somebody and you reach out once via email, that's it. They're out. You just have to do it because now you only have, uh, you know, four weeks or whatever to fill the openings. If you have multiple, you run a dispersal draft because you got to get every, you got to get all the rosters good to go. And you got to get everyone paid and you got to be ready so you can run your draft and league mechanics on time. So it it sounds callous, but you've had 4 4 months to pay. So this is not groundbreaking stuff. Have that schedule. You know, what's the waiver schedule going to be like in the off season? Um, you know, just before everyone goes on hiatus, send a, a, not a goodbye email, but put it in the message board, send an email that basically says, hey, here's when the league is going to open up shop, essentially, is trading open on January 1st? Is uh, Well, not January 1st because the extra week, but is trading open in January? Is it open in February? Is the payment deadline March 1st and then trading is open after that? Uh, make sure you outline this stuff because you may not hear from people for another month or two, you may not, there may be a small, hand, uh, you know, one or two people in the league, you may not hear from again. So you're at least putting it out there. This is the expectation for this coming off season. So again, rule changes, setting changes. I'm a fan of doing all play in the postseason. I'm a fan of doing things like home field advantage, where you incorporate your points per game in the regular season uh, into, a, into a, you know, getting, you know, if you're the top seed, you get plus points, you know, in your matchup for example. I'm a fan of all these things. And if you don't suggest them, and again, I don't think going from one quarterback to super flex is a transition you should make in your leagues. It should be you just have a new league (laughs) because that that adds a lot of complexity. Even if you do it multiple years out, it can be done. But just in general, settings, rule changes, things like that, you need to vote on them early. Frankly, you should probably vote on them now because uh, before people again go on hiatus, go on vacation, go on fantasy, uh, fantasy detox, if you will, uh, and just not being a part of their daily, weekly lives in January, and February. Uh, so that's my big five. So we've got keep an eye, uh, keep eyes and ears open for developing running back situations like Damian Williams and Tim Hightower previously. Shoot for upside in lineup decisions which are close. And then plan ahead with defense and streamer or backup uh, break glass options for your next most important game or weak matchup spots. Shift bench spots to off-season stashes once you're eliminated. And finally, thank your commissioner, suggest rule changes, and establish a routine for things like the waiver wire, paying entry fees the next year, the draft, uh, before everyone starts to invariably tune out or tune in less than they have been for now four-plus months. Week 13 of the UTH subscriber best ball contest powered by MyFantasyLeague and wanted to shout out Matt Preusser taking down the contest. Uh, Monday Night Football, as I'm recording this, is almost over. And he is up by 30-plus points, a massive performance by Matt this week. He's got Trevor Lawrence going off on Monday Night Football. Big game from Jordan Love. Um, Isaiah Pacheco, also another strong performance. And his tight ends have been straight fire this year in general. He got big games Uh, this tight end to the moon premium format. He's got Jake Ferguson this week, Sam Laporta, and Trey McBride all going for 25 plus points and didn't leave a whole bu- whole uh, many points on his bench at all. Mainly Jalen Warren and a couple of a uh, smattering of others. The perfect week by Matt Preusser, wanted to shout him out. Uh, he's in the top ten to twelve of the of of the rankings, and he is assuredly moving up a few spots with the number one overall finish in the top ten. Uh, I, myself and Katie Flower are the two uh, notables of the uh, the experts, if you will, and we've still got Chris, Tim, Julie, and Michael there up in the top five as well. So coming down the stretch run here, and still. Anyone's game up at the top, and congratulations so much to Matt and all those that have finished number one in a week and are high up in the overall standings on the season. So thanks to my fantasy league, as always, for sponsoring the contest. Got a lot of UTH-centric prizes at the end of the season as well. Lastly, I wanted to mention some of the UTH premium products at your disposal. You've been listening to this show, whether it's one week, one month, or for years, and you have not tried out the premium audio content there for UTH Dynasty. I want to ask, what have you been waiting for? You know, the off-season is a good time to dive in, but guess what? It's a 12-month rolling membership, so you can sign up now, get the benefit here in the fantasy playoff push in 2023, as well as a whole off-season Of getting you ready with startup draft content, trading, uh, profile analysis, as well as all of the NFL draft and prospect analysis, looking at comps uh, and as well as the profiles of these skill positions to get you ready for your best season yet in 2024. In season, right now, what do you get? Well, on Monday, you get the Film Notes podcast coming out from Sunday's Action. You get standalone shows for Sunday Night Football. Uh, Thursday Night Football, Monday Night Football, Saturday when we get there, uh, you get the running back roundup. About 30 minutes every single week going through every NFL depth chart. I talked about developing situations, the Tim Hightowers. This is where uh, the mechanics happen. We talk through every single depth chart so that you have a good working knowledge on developing situations. We were really early to the game on Dearness Johnson, for example. We picked up Cordero Patterson a week or two ago. Now people are probably starting to finally talk about him. Well, well, we, we get it early. We're proactive. We're preemptive in our pickups there. And that means, what is it? We spend less and we get more impact and more bang for our buck on the waiver wire. And that's the whole idea. Instead of having to spend 50% on a particular player because we missed out, we missed the boat uh, a week or two earlier, we're spending 1%. We're spending 5%. We're spending maybe 0% with a pickup on a Friday night or Saturday of the week once we get the practice reports and we get the developing situations analyzed. Uh, So in addition to film notes, you get running back roundup. Uh, Last week, for example, had a Zach Moss dynasty trading strategy session for more than 10 minutes. So we talk about what if you're a contender? What if you're a non-contender? What's the strategy? What's the price point? What should we be doing with someone like Zach Moss? Uh, uh, Previously had shows on like Chris Godwin scrubbing his uh, comp spectrum for his career arc. Mike Evans, Kyle Pitts, uh, these types of names. So again, we have you covered. Uh, I cover UTH Dynasty Trades, look at the strategy involved, as well as looking at things like start rate data, getting you ready over the course of the weekend over at UTH Patreon dot com slash U-T-H, um, and that is one where you also get a long form, hey, if you don't want to read the waiver wire article, you want a little more storyline to it, I put out a show that's usually 20 plus minutes on Mondays so that you can get a, a, a knee-deep uh, storyboard for what uh, you should be looking for in some of the key players this week. and. I'll tell you, you, so many times I'll look and see people on Twitter putting out uh, waiver wire information. It's redraft. It's shallow and it's for redraft. Dynasty is a different animal. We have to look at a different subset of players. And Frankly, a lot of the guys they talk about now were picked up in Dynasty one week, one month, or one year ago. So you have to really customize that content and the frame of mind for dy- Even if it's shallower Dynasty, still it is a completely different animal than your redraft leagues. And this is also the time of year where you're going to get ahead of the game. If you want to do a startup draft in January... I am going to have the information ready. Uh, Already pushing ahead uh, and accelerating ages to week one, 2024, the next most meaningful game for uh, a lot of the players out there in the NFL. Already shifting over, scrubbing their profiles so that I only have to redo maybe it's 20-25% of players that are on a completely different trajectory in a month than they are today. So the more I can do now, the quicker the transition to 2024 and the offseason happens. So the UTH dynasty rankings, the trade calculator, all of those engines are updated throughout the season and December is scrubbing season since we are already pushing ahead a lot of team a lot of teams and a lot of leagues already have trade deadlines and what that means is the next most important time that we are analyzing dynasty trades from it is going to be week 1 in 2024. So need to be transitioning to off-season mode and frankly other sites and other uh, places. It might not be happening until sometime ambiguously in January. So January for me, uh, by mid-January, it's getting everything ready in the projection model. It's getting ready for NFL draft season as well as rookie draft season. Um, so, that, so that's something that I already have to have the, the veteran profiles on the NFL landscape done at that point in time. So again, It's a uh, money-back guarantee. It's something that, again, I put my pride in it. I'm already at 445 UTH premium podcasts, probably going to hit by the end of the year. 470, 480, probably not going to hit 500 unless I really have a lot of season ending profile analysis shows on players, which I may, uh, but also a lot to do between now and the end of 2023. So be on board if you've never tried it. Again, it connects right to any podcasting app of your choice. It's a new, I call it the black label, but the UTH premium shows are on a different feed than this show and they'll pop up as normal as your other podcasts, except probably a lot more often. So thank you so much for listening. Let's finish strong. Those five tips to begin uh, is, is just one part of the iceberg that goes into a successful dynasty finish and season. I'm Chad Parsons. Until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.